you've gotten a chance to greet a few people, find your seat. So good to see you. So good to see you. I'm excited for you to be here. I'm looking forward to what God has for us in store this morning. We are in the book of Matthew, chapter number 25, and we're in a series entitled, I Need a Breakthrough. And this morning, we're talking about a financial breakthrough, a financial breakthrough. And I don't know about you, but there's something neat about when we start talking about finances. And I know if you're a guest, all of a sudden, you're my be like, oh man, really? I came on the Sunday, they're going to talk about money? I came on the wrong Sunday. Don't worry. Don't worry. Everybody relax. Touch the neighbor and say, hey, relax. It's all good. It's all right. Reach under your seat and there's a keys to a brand new car. I'm just kidding. I'm not Oprah. Some of you read, some of you thought, yeah, I'm sorry. I, one Sunday, we should do something like that. It might be a matchbox car. It might be a little toy car, but it'll be something. But uh, don't worry. I was talking to the first crowd after they got out and they were like, that was painless. And I was like, yeah, of course it was painless. I was like, no, no. We started talking about finances. I know it gets kind of sticky. People are like, oh, no, 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 church and money. You know, it, it, don't just relax. It's going to be great. Uh, you ever seen the bumper sticker that says, I owe, I owe, so it's off to work I go? Ever seen that one? Yeah. Some of us are like, yep, that's why I work a job. Somebody said, a job is for poor people. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, so we work, and um, uh, you work the job because why? We got to pay our bills, the Bay Area, so it's not cheap. And so many of us, we could be stepping back and we think, man, a financial breakthrough, that's exactly what I need. That's exactly what I need. And I'm, I'm praying for that. And, uh, because today I found out that debt's not a good thing. How many of you don't like debt? Any, you just don't like debt? That good. We're all, we're all, a few of you didn't raise your hand. So I wonder about you and, um, you're not Congress. So debt is not a good thing. So, uh, but when it comes to debt, no, debt's not good, but we're looking at Matthew chapter number 25. And I hope the Bible will speak to us because I believe there are some things in God's word that whether you believe everything about the Bible, I know will help you. Or whether you are a Christian, I know these things will help you. I got to tell you this. I was horrible with money. You've never met somebody so bad with money. I was terrible with money. Just awful. I didn't grow up in a family situation that they taught good financial practices. So guess what? I carried those into my marriage. And I was so blessed with a wife that said, hey, guess what? We could be one of two types of people. We can either be the type of people that pay interest or we can make interest. Which one do you want to be? And I was like, man, you are a great woman. Let's go make out. And so that, that's, that's, that's what our relationship was, all right? And so it was one of those things where I realized right then and there, that's it, isn't it? We can decide. Are we going to be the type of people that pay interest or we make interest? How are we going to use our money? That right there was worth the price of admission. You write that down. God bless you. You are dismissed. Don't forget to get some donuts on the way out. Like There's a little bit more to it. But when it comes to our financial practices, we understand that when it comes to our giving, we want to make sure that we're in line with not only the Bible, but then also there's some things in the Bible that'll that'll help us. So let's dive into Matthew 25. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry. It'll be up on the screens. And some of you that are really smart, you got it memorized anyway. But we're in Matthew chapter number 25. Let's verse number 14. It's a parable. A parable was an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's what a parable was. It's not, not necessarily based on fact, but it was something that Jesus would use to teach a principle that'll help. And in Matthew chapter number 25, verse 14, the Bible says this, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto him, unto them his goods. Verse number 15, the Bible says, and to one he Gave. I want you, if you have a Bible, underline that word gave or circle it. He gave. And uh, because here's the thing. When it comes to finances, we often think like, hey, I made it, so it's mine. But we need to underline the fact that God says he gave it. 
Here's this picture. It's a parable. Jesus is this master. He's the one that's giving to his servants. The Bible says, and he gave. And to one, he gave five talents. Now, I know the word talent kind of throws you off. Like, this person only had five talents. He could sing, dance, cook, and you make up some. That's not what he's talking about here. Talent in the Bible is basically meant a wage. Now, one talent was 20 years worth of wages. Wouldn't it be awesome if your boss comes up to you and is like, you're an awesome employee. Guess what? I'm going to give you 20 years worth of wages right now. You're like, I quit. Excellent. I'm gone. This is fantastic. But God didn't just, this guy, he didn't just get 20 years. The Bible says five talents. So every talent's 20 years. That's a hundred years worth of wages. That's incredible. So this guy's given a hundred years worth of wages in once. All right. He's given this money. Now here's what the scripture goes on to say. And it says in verse number 15 to each according to his ability and immediately. Okay. So he gives five to one guy to another. He gives two. And to the last one, he gives one talent. Okay. He gives all of them. They get a portion. Verse number 17. And, or verse 16, then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. If you would underline the word ruler. You say, why? Because this guy starts out as a servant and he ends a ruler. Here's the crazy thing about debt. This is why we don't like debt. Because some of us were a servant to debt. Now the word servant right here is the Greek word doulos. I, don't be impressed. I'm not that smart. I looked it up and it's doulos. What does doulos mean? It means, well, servant is like a nice word. We think of a butler and that type of thing. Servant meant slave. That's what it means. A piece of property. So this guy goes from being a slave to a ruler. Some of us were slaves to MasterCard. Some of us were slaves to American distress or American Express. Some of us were slaves to that BMW lease or that Porsche 911. We're slaves to it. We owe all this money. Some of us were slaves because of debt. We're slaves to these things. And guess what? They've got us. We can't rule. Why? Because we're in debt. Some of us have even had our wage garnished. There was one guy, um, he, uh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal this joke. He went to his wife for her birthday and said, hey, what would you like for your birthday? And she said, I want a divorce. And he said, I wasn't thinking about spending that much money. So uh, it was, and when it comes to getting, getting things and receiving things, hey, we, we look at this, this, this part of scripture and we need to understand that God doesn't want us to be the type of person that's always in bondage by our finances. Isn't it crazy? Finances limit your generosity. Here's one thing I know about you. You're at church, so people that go to church typically, this is just true, they typically are more generous. You're the type of person that, honestly, you're a little bit more generous. You actually volunteer more time to projects. You're just more generous. Uh, you like to give. You're, you're more likely to pay for people's Starbucks in line. That's just the statistics say. You're more likely at a drive through to pay for somebody's meal behind you. You're just that type of a person. Here's what I know about debt. Debt limits your generosity. There's times you want to be generous, but you can't afford to be generous. So you're on line at McDonald's and you're going through your pennies and nickels thinking I can get a, a double double and I can get a, a small fries and then buddy, you're on your own. I ain't got enough, you know, and it, and it limits our generosity. Here's what I've learned about the gospel. Okay. The gospel is the good news 
Good news of what? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel's the good news. The heart of the gospel is giving. That's the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is giving. And what often happens is we as Christ followers, we that claim the name of Christ, we can forget the giving aspect. We want to be generous, but we're, we're slaves. So we're not rulers of our money. We don't, we don't have mastery of it. It has mastery over us. So here's what the scripture talks about. I love how these people made that transition. Verse 22. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. Some of us could have been like feeling bad for the guy with two talents. Only just, man, he just... He got 40 years wages, not as much as the other guy who got 100, but he still doubled it. He doubled his money. And you're thinking, well, well, maybe God will give him a reward, but it won't be as nice as the guy who got, you know, doubled his 100 years to 200. Notice what the Bible says. The Lord delivered him two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside. He said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. It's the same reward. Isn't that awesome? God says, if you'll steward well what I've given you, guess what? It's the same reward. You don't have to be a gazillionaire, a billionaire, millionaire. You can take what God has entrusted to you and say, I'm going to steward this well. I'm going to use this for what God wants me to use it. But there's the guy who had one talent. Notice what the Bible says, verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord was angry and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. At my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give to him that has 10 talents. For everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And he cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness." There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Some people take that, he cast the guy into hell. That's what some people think. That's actually not. Weeping and gnashing of teeth is actually this. It's a biblical term, but it basically, you ever been frustrated? Guys, we do this. We're frustrated. We go, ah, I can't believe I did that. That's the gnashing of your teeth. That's a grinding. You're just like, ah, I can't believe I did something that stupid. Sometimes you're walking at night by your bed, stub your toe, ah, stub my toe. That's what it was. He was frustrated. He was so frustrated that he made such a stupid error. He missed out on what God had for him. Here's what I know about you. You want to be generous. You want to be generous with your family. You want to be generous with church. You want to be generous with your time, treasures, and talents. But for many of us, unless we get a financial breakthrough, we'll never be able to. So here's the question you need to answer this morning. Here's the question. You can write it down or you can uh, uh, just think for just a second. How are you spending your dollars and your days? That's the question this morning. What are you doing with the days that you have left on planet Earth? And what are you doing with your dollars? Because I think too often today, we kind of think my life is all for myself, so I'm going to live it for myself. And we miss out on truly doing meaningful things. We miss out on what's meaningful. And instead, we ended up uh, spending it on things that are trivial. So we want to be spending our days on what's meaningful, not things that are meaningless. And so how are we spending our days? But then also, how are we spending our dollars? You say, well, I made it. It's all mine. I want to keep it. And I understand your thinking. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It'd be interesting if one of you let me borrow your car. Some of you have some beautiful cars and I love your car. And if you ever get one, just give me a ride. I don't, I don't have to have it, but you can just give me a ride in your nice car and I'm content. But let's just say you let me borrow your car for the weekend. It's really nice. And I have a great time in your car, but I'm really nice. So I, I 
fill up the gas tank. You know, I make sure there's no dings, scratches, or dents on it. And then I come back to you and I say, man, you're so awesome. I got a gift for you. And you're like, oh, that's kind of nice. I'll let you borrow my car. Now you're going to give me a gift. And I put a little bow on your keychain. I say, I got you a car. You would say, you did not give me a car. I bought the car. I said, no, 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 I'm giving it to you. You're saying, no, no, no. Pastor McKay, you're missing it. You can only return it. I think God does the same. You see, oftentimes when we say we're giving our lives or we're giving our money to God, we're actually not. We're actually returning what's already his. Isn't it funny? You'll take your children to the movie theater, and your children are probably like mine. You get to the movie theater, you get comfortable, you sit down, you've got your popcorn, you've got your soda, you've got your diabetes in a cup, and you're just ready to go for a great time, right? And you're sitting there, and all of a sudden you reach over to your kid's popcorn bucket, and what do they do? They move the bucket. I paid for that bucket. And then you reach for their candy. What do they do? They move their candy. Man, then you go to the drink on that soda and they move their soda. And all of a sudden, that's where you start. Man, kid, I will leave you here. I promise you it's a dark movie theater. Nobody will hear you scream, all right? And it's one of those moments, right? Where you're looking at this kid like, I bought that. I paid for that. And you're wanting to hold on to it. And I think God does the same thing. God looks down and says, oh, isn't that cute? You're bringing me back what is mine. You feel so generous. And here we are. We're like, no, God, I'm not going to give it to you. And God's like, wait a minute. It's all mine. And let's just say, let's continue with our car illustration for a second. Let's say I do return it. And I say, here's your car. And you say, actually, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. You say, I want to bless you. Guess what? You can keep 90% of the car. I just want 10%. So just give me the four tires and you can have the rest of the car. Deal. Deal, right? Here's the thing with God. Many of us, we look at scripture, we look at the Bible, and we think, man, God asks so much from us, 10%. But actually, we need to flip the script, don't we? That God actually gives us 90. If we understand truly that it's all his. But if we're still in this world where we think, actually, it's not God's, it's actually all mine. But then we need to step back and who gave us the strength to work that job? Who gave us the opportunity to meet that person who gave us the job? How did we get in contact with the right family to get the right investments? It all was orchestrated by God. And I know I'm not trying to downplay your intelligence. You're, you're, you're highly intelligent. You're wonderfully skilled. But let's just be honest for a second. When you're driving down the road and you see a 16-year-old in a Porsche 911 or in a, uh, a Dodge uh, Hellcat, you're not thinking to yourself, that's an industrious 16-year-old, are you? Hard-working 16-year-old. You're thinking... That dude is lucky. He's got some rich parents. That's what you're thinking. You're not thinking for one second, man, that kid bought that $50,000 or $100,000 car. I think God's looking at doing the same thing. And so this morning, we're just stepping back. We're saying, hey, it's all God's. So this message is simply entitled the trust test. That's what this is, isn't it? It's all a test. It's just a test. What are you going to do with what God's given you? That's the question, isn't it? How are you spending your dollars and days? It's a good question. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? What are you going to do with your life that truly matters? And here's what I love about the church. Many of you, you're so generous with your time, your treasures, and your talents. I love the fact that you as a church have done some awesome things. One of the things we just did a year ago is pretty incredible. I want to show a video. Some of you haven't seen this. I want to show a video. It's just a minute long, but I want you to see this. We're going to play it real quick. Some of our church was able to do in the country of India. At the Asla Noel Children's Home, we seek to provide care, protection, and education for orphans living in the country of India. This is a cause worthy of our lives. To us, these kids are not just simple projects. They are our brothers and sisters. 
They are valuable. They are important. They are loved. But why do we make these kids such a high priority? The answer is simple. Because Jesus told us to. that video because our church helped build that orphanage last year that's what our church did you see in that orphanage when we first heard about it, it was running about 30 children that were saved out of either the sex traffic trade or from homelessness or from poverty because in india their children are just cast out if there's something wrong aids is a, is a huge problem over there and so our church last year heard about a need that this orphanage wanted to expand they were in a very small type cramped quarters. And so our church raised the money and spent the thousands, it was actually $13,000 to build another orphanage for them. So now they're running over 70 kids are now going to have the chance at a real home, at an education, at real health care, that really going to have a future. Why? Because there were some people just like yourselves that said, guess what? I know what I want to do with my dollars and days. I know how I want to invest my money. It's not just going to go just for here. It's so much bigger than that, but it's a trust test. God's entrusted to you, but how are you doing? with what God has entrusted to you. You see, I know you and uh, many of you, you're probably, you're brilliant. So you've taken a lot of tests. You went to college and you've taken a lot of tests in high school. But how many of you, let's just be honest here, you enjoy taking a test. Can I see your hands? You're fine with taking tests. Anybody? There's a few of you that actually like to take tests. How many, let's just be honest, you don't like taking tests. Just raise your hand. There we go. Excellent. Now, the ones that raise their hand said we don't like taking tests. We don't like the ones that do like taking tests. Because you were the one that reminded the teacher, hey, teacher, we have a quiz. And you're like, shut up, shut up. I didn't study for this. Be quiet. Like, just be quiet. Messing my grade, my GPA up. It was trying to get it up to like a 1.5. Now it's just getting lower. So you're not real keen on taking tests. But here's one thing I do know about you. You may not like to take tests, but you like things that are tested. You say, what do you mean? Aren't you glad somebody tested those brakes in your car? We like tested things. We don't like to go through tests, but we like tested things. Aren't you glad the airline pilot has to take a test when he gets in that plane? It's not just a line like, hey, you want to fly today? Well, I was going to sit and coach, but yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be cool. How hard can it be? I play video games like this. As long as it's not United, otherwise they throw you off. And so it's one of those things where, where when it comes to, to things, we like things that are tested. Here's what I know. Things that aren't tested can't be trusted. So God's going to test us with our stewardship. He is. And I think too often, church, we don't like the test, do we? You say, what is the test? The test is the tithe. You say, what do you mean the tithe? 
You see, in the Old Testament, there's this principle. It's called the tithe. The tithe means one-tenth. And this is where the church gets real nervous. Oh, no. I'm going to talk about 10% of my money. I'm going to grab my wallet. I'm going to grab my wife's purse. And, man, make a run for the door. Don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. Because this is on the road to your financial breakthrough. Because many of you, you're in bondage to your finances. Because you've been saying, I can't afford to give. Well, guess what? Because you can't afford to give, you've never seen breakthrough in your life. You've never seen God really do some miracles in your finances. Because why? Something is blocking the blessing. Something's blocking the blessing. It's blocking what God wants to do. God's hands are tied because you're not bringing the tithe. You see, what do you mean? Last year, on average, the church as a whole, or last year, 2015, the church, the average church member gave 2.5% of their annual income back to God. 2.5%. That's spare change. We've gone from a nation that tithes to God to tips to God. We give God a tip. And we don't understand that if it's all God's, it all belongs to him. So I'm just bringing back what he's asked. And I know we start with the tithe and many of us will say, well, I'm tithing. And what are you tithing? Oh, I'm tithing 5% or that 2.5%. No, no. Tithe literally means a 10th. It means 10%. That's what it means. Now I know what some of you, you're really smart. You see the 10 and you're like, I know what that means. But guess what, Pastor Micaiah? I don't know a lot of the Bible, but I do know this. That was the Old Testament. And I live in the New Testament. Grace, baby. So I understand that. Okay. So you're saying we don't live in the Old Testament. You're saying we live in the New Testament. I'm so glad you brought this up. You may not be glad you brought it up, but I really am. Because the Old Testament was all about the law, wasn't it? All about the law. New Testament is all about love, okay? So you have New Testament, it's all about love. And I would dare say, one requires more than the other. You say, how do you know? Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not kill. Jesus said, don't even say raka, which means to hate your brother. That's killing him in your heart. Jesus said, it's worse to do that. The Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not commit adultery. But Jesus said, don't even lust after a woman and you're committing adultery. One is harder than the other. You see, here's where we're at. We're, we're a church and we, we say, oh, I'm not under the Old Testament. I don't need to do 10%. Come on, that's Old Testament living. Where God is saying, actually, why are we doing less under love than what we were called to do under the law? You see, church, yes, I do know. We do live in the New Testament, but we need to understand love actually requires more. 10% was a baseline where we start. That's where we start with God because God wants you to see, do more under love. Your relationships, your job, everything in your life will struggle if you're always just trying to do the bare minimum. Everything, everything in life. I'm just trying to get by. Those aren't the employees you promote. What if you told your spouse that the next time? I'm just trying to do exactly what you want me to do just so whatever you to hold this relationship together. Like it's not gonna work. It's really not. But when you say, hey, I'm going to do whatever love requires, I'm going to, I'm going to, man, on your birthday, I'm going to buy you roses. I'm going to do all this cool stuff because you're now under love. You're not bound by the law. And so we as a church, we're saying, hey, it's a trust test. It is a trust test. And our church, we try to be generous, not just with our community, but with others. We try to uh, provide for people and help out. We support missions. We do all kinds of projects. And guess what? Anybody can come to our church and get the full Southridge experience. We want to give you a mug. We want to get the best music. We want to give you resources. We want you to have a good time. We want you to have some free coffee and free donuts and free muffins. I forgot the donuts. We switched to muffins. I'm sorry about that. And we're trying to go healthy and everything. I heard they were gluten-free. And so, you know, this we give it to you all for free. All of it's free. Childcare, all of it. It's all free. Now this afternoon, go to Outback and get yourself a nice steak and get yourself a blooming onion. Get two of them, you wonderful thing, you. And then when it comes time for the check, say, thank you for the experience, Mr. Waiter Man or Waiter Woman. I really enjoyed it. The steak was delicious. Give my compliments to the chef and you walk out without paying. Try it. Just try it. 
It wouldn't work, would it? You go to Disneyland. Let's see if you go to Disneyland this week, and you're going to have a great time. You're going to go and get yourself some Dole Whip. You're going to see Minnie and Mickey. You're going to get pictures. You're going to go into the park. You're going to have a great time. And you're like, but I don't want to pay for it. Won't work, will it? Church is the only place where you can come, pull up, have a nice meal from the Word of God, enjoy some friendly people, have a free cup of coffee. And guess what? It doesn't cost you. It doesn't. We don't charge anybody here. There's no door fee. There isn't. You see, businesses are about money. The church, our church, is about ministry. But it takes some money to keep doing the ministry. So God says, bring the tithe. God says, start there. And it's a trust test. We don't like tests, but God says, hey, this is where we start because it's all God's and we understand it's all his. I'm just bringing back to him what's already his. It's all his. And I know finances is tough. You say, I can't afford to give. I'll say this. It's something where you can't afford not to. My life financially did not turn around, though I made lots of money. Many times we think that we just don't make enough money. That's where our finance problems are. So they polled people that made $40,000. And guess what the people that made $40,000 said? If I just made $75,000, I'd be rich. So they pulled the people that made $75,000. And they said, what would it take for you to feel rich? They said, if I just made $100,000, then I would be rich. And then they pulled the people that made $100,000. And they said, what would it make if you felt like you to be rich? If I just made $150,000, I'd be rich. They asked millionaires, what would it make for you to feel rich? Oh, if I just made one more dollar. Can I tell you, being rich is a movable target, isn't it? I say it like this, rich is relative. Rich is relative. Would you touch a neighbor and say, rich is relative? Rich is relative. I remember my first job at 15 and a half. I worked at Carl's Jr. Yes. And guess what? I got that first check for 300 something dollars. I was so excited. I was like, I'm rich. I could buy anything I wanted with 300 bucks. I'd never seen $300 in my life. Man, $300. What am I going to do with all this money? I'm just going to, yeah, just have a great time with my money. That's what I'm going to do with my money. Don't listen to that song. You don't even ask me where I got that. that uh, never mind. Skip all of that, all right? But when it comes to money, we just feel like, man, we got it. We're just so rich, so blessed. But here's what I realized. How am I spending my dollars in my days? What am I doing with it? So I learned very early on that guess what? Tithe is God. Our family, we have a little practice. Here's what we do. I'm horrible with money. My wife knows I'm horrible with money. So actually she handles our finances. And I'm not too proud to admit it because otherwise we'd be broke. So she handles our finances. First check we write is a tithe check. First check. Because why? Because we know that life gets crazy and there are times when we're tempted not to give. I'll just be honest. Every year we try to increase our giving. Just one of the things we try to do. Because the Bible said 10% of the baseline. I'm trying to do more under love than what the law requires. I'm not trying to do the bare minimum. Because here's what I believe, and I think you know it to be true as well. You cannot grow and mature spiritually without giving. Because at the heart of the gospel is a heart to give. It's at the core of it. But God says, hey, the first 10 is mine. You say, I can't afford to. You can't afford not to. Because here's what you're doing. You're robbing yourself of a blessing. We're going to pull this up on the screen real quick. Malachi chapter number three, verse number seven. The Bible says this. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. By you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. And then verse number uh, 11, the Bible says, hey, bring the stores and the tithes. And God's in verse number 11, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Some of you, you're like, man, where did my paycheck go? It's just gone. Here's one thing, my wife and I, we love this church. We love the work of God. And so we always made it a priority. 
And one day, my wife and I, we were out at a restaurant. We sit down eating, and I'm paying for the bill. Didn't just want to enjoy the meal and walk, walk the check. So we're sitting there, we're about to, about to pay for the check, and I remember my wife looking down and saying, isn't that interesting? We're going to give this waiter more than we gave God. And I said, shut up, woman. Like, really? Just stop already. I didn't. I didn't. I love her. She's giving me the stink eye right now, so it's not going to be a good afternoon for me. But that's okay, though. Here's what you need to understand. At that moment was a turning point in our marriage. Where Jane was like, hey, are we always just going to do the bare minimum? Or we really want to grow? Do we really think this is real? Do we really believe in the cause? Or is this something we just kind of talk about? We just do the bare minimum for God. What kind of Christian is that? Just does the bare minimum. We want to be all out, all in, on fire, all the time, sold out Christians that just say, we want to change the world. But we can't change the world with spare time and spare change. We're never going to, right? So we decided we're going to be all in. So we said 10%, that's not a good enough baseline. Look, we're not millionaires. We're not. But last year, this is awesome. And I'm not trying to brag, church. I don't want you to uh, think anything crazy. But last year, we were able to give over $40,000 right back to the church. You say, well, man, you make $400,000? No, no, no. I make way, way less than that. Matter of fact, I didn't even know we had given that much. If she would have told me, I would have said, stop a long time ago. (laughs) But then she said, look what we were able to do. And guess what? We didn't starve. It was almost half of our income that we gave right back to the work of God. You say, how do you afford to do that? You know what? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. It honestly doesn't make sense. But I've been able to be generous. Just the other day, I saw somebody in line at the food, and you could tell when somebody's going through a tough time, and they're digging through the change in their pocket. I was like, I'm going to pay for this guy's lunch. Isn't that a great feeling? You know what? It's great to be generous. And some of you want to be generous, but you're just not able to because you're bound because you've got to devour. Here's the great thing. My kids are rarely sick. When kids get sick, it costs money. You know, I've been amazed at how long my brakes lasted. I got the car in 2013. I just replaced the brakes this year. And I drive like a maniac. (laughs) My brakes lasted a long time. It's amazing how things just last. It's amazing how God just provides. You say, how are you able to give? I don't know. Because if you were to talk to our CPA, it would not make sense. You see, when you say, God, I'm just going to trust you because it is a trust test, God says, we'll do something great. But there's a trust test, but there's also a trust trap. You say, what's the trap? One guy with one talent, he fell into it, didn't he? He fell into that trap. He said, oh, I don't have enough. I don't have a lot. I don't have as much as the other guys. So I hid the money. I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm not going to touch it. I'm just going to hoard it. I'm going to trust in this. The apostle Paul, the guy who wrote half the New Testament, he said this to a young preacher named Timothy. He said, Timothy, I want to tell you something. And this is what he said. I want to read it for you. He's talking. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches. You see, some of us, we're trusting in money. We think if I've just got my pile of money, I'll be happy. Here's one thing you and I both know about money. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You may not necessarily find what you're looking for. You say, what do you mean? Money can buy you fun. How many know money can buy you fun? It can, can it? Money is fun. It's not wrong to have money. We're not preaching against money. Money's great. Yeah, just have a good time. Money's great, all right? Let the dollars roll. It's just have a good time with your money. But here's what you need to know about your money. Money will only give you fun. That's what money will get you. It's only going to get you fun. But your money will not give you. Sorry, English grammar people. (laughs) Fulfillment. 
Money can't get you fulfillment. You say, how do you know that? Why is it we've got millionaires and billionaires that got to get strung out on drugs, relationship after relationship, buy after buy, house after house, car after car, have to travel the world, and still they'll commit suicide? And still they'll do some crazy things. Why? Because they realize what you and I both know is that I can't spell number one, and number two is that money does not bring fulfillment. And some of you think, if I just have a pile of money to sit on, then I'll be happy. And some of us say, well, I'm just not rich. Rich is relative. Rich is relative. Some of you don't make a lot, but yet you're very rich. You know it. But you're falling into this trust trap. You say, what's the trust trap? This trust trap is that it's all mine. You say, what do you mean? It's this entitlement mentality. It's mine. Hey, wouldn't it be crazy if today I went down to a hotel room, just, you know, let's say the Fairmont downtown right overlooking San Jose, and I get a room there. And I get into the room, and I look around, and I I don't like the paint at all. And I don't like the decorations at all. It's a hotel. Who likes the decorations, you know? And the paintings are awful, and the paint on the wall is bad, and I don't like the bed. It's not comfortable. I don't like the furniture. The TV's way too small. So let's say I go down to Lowe's and I get some cans of paint and I repaint the room and the bed's not comfortable. So I go to Mattress Firm because it used to be sleep train and they got bought out. And so I go to the new place and I get the new mattress and I put a new down comforter, awesome mattress on there. And man, the TV was only 42 inches and man, I need a great big 70 inch TV and I put a 70 inch TV. I repaint, I put new pictures up. You would think I was crazy. Like I lost it. Why are you redecorating a room that you're only going to stay in for a few days. Some of us, we're putting so much emphasis into this life and we act like we're going to be here forever when we're not. So how are we spending our dollars and our days? Because the heart of the gospel is a heart to give. And so we're stepping back and we're saying, God, I want to start the 10%. What good, what great good could we do? We were able to build one orphanage. They need dozens of orphanages over there. We don't want to just build one church. We need dozens of churches. We don't want to just help one person. We want to help hundreds of people. And so we want to see God do the work. But if we're entitled, it'll never happen. So the beginning of giving is gratitude. When we understand that God gave it to us. Also, the other trap is reluctance. Are you giving out of reluctance? You're just like, I'm going to hold on to this money. Or are you giving out a relationship? If you really love God, it shouldn't be hard to get. It's not hard to give. Come on, grandparents, you're amazing at this. Grandchildren come over. They get whatever they want. They could ask for a loaded 45. You would probably, you know, most of you, I know you. You probably, you know, that would be a little bit of debate. But if they ask for cookie, they ask for sweets, they ask for to stay up past their bedtime. Grandparents are great at this. We love to do these nice things, but guess what? Sometimes we, we do it, why, out of a relationship? But some of us, were reluctant when it comes to God. Why are we reluctant? Don't we say we love him? Don't we say we follow him? Then the other one is where we see it as optional. We honestly see giving as optional. We don't see it out of obedience. The Bible says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that my house may be full. Here's the thing that I honestly, I just don't get. Now, Christians per capita, you guys, you guys far excel everybody. You really do. Your giving is still off the charts. But why is it that churches still have need? Why is it we still have problems where if we did just give, we wouldn't have these needs? Why is that with the church? And I know, I know it's tough. You say, well, I've got things going on and it's tough and it's, it's financially hard. And I get that. I get it. 
But some of you, God can't fight for you because you're fighting against him. God's like, I want to pour out blessing. I want to do something. I want you to have a financial breakthrough. But you can't because why? you're holding on to it. You know how they trap monkeys in other parts of the world? It's like these little small clay jars, and they'll put little pieces of food in it. And the monkey will get its hand in it and grab it, but it can't get its hand out. Why? Because it makes a fist. And then they got the jar tied around a string, and that's how they trap the monkey. I think some of us, that's us, isn't it? Holding on to something, and God's like, really? Really? I can give you a breakthrough, but there's something blocking the breakthrough. You see, God can get it to you, but he wants to get it through you. Would you touch your neighbor? God can get it to you, but he wants to get it through you. God can get it to you, but he wants to get it through you. He doesn't want to just bring it to you. He wants to bring it through you. You want to be generous. You want to live a generous lifestyle. You want to be able to help people. But God is saying, hey, can I trust you with it? All of us have said, God, if I ever won the lottery, or if I was ever in Las Vegas and I was just going to eat at a buffet, and then all of a sudden one of those slot machines just started pouring out money, oh, I tied then. God's like, why don't you start with the $10 I did give you? Why don't we start there? Or when God gives you 100, you give him 10. Or when God gives you 1,000, give him 100. But where it gets hard is after that 1,000, isn't it? <laughs> really, God, that's a lot of money. Like 100 bucks, ah, that's all right. That's all right. I could spend that on a meal, right? You could spend that on an outfit, right? You could spend that on taking your kids to the movie theater. Man, they almost want your left arm along with the 100 bucks. It's getting more and more expensive. And so all of a sudden, 100 bucks, you kind of see that go. But then anytime we start actually, God, I'm actually starting to make some real money now. And God's like, okay, I can stop that real quick. I can, I can fix that. If you're making too much, let's go back to making a little bit less. If that's so hard. And so we need to understand that God is saying, hey, look, bring it that my house may be full, that we could do great things because it's a trust trap and God wants us to see it, not as optional, but out of obedience. So if there's a trust trap, there needs to be a trust transfer. There needs to be a transfer of trust this morning. What are you trusting in? Are you trusting in your money? It will fail you. But if you're trusting in the Lord, it'll work out. It'll be all right. Some of you don't know my story, but I grew up in a, in a, in a home that my dad was a pastor in Fresno. And they planted the church, and uh, we didn't have a lot of money. We had very little money. I know you're teenagers, and sometimes they'll probably exaggerate. They'll open up the refrigerator. There's nothing to eat. And you're like, are you kidding me? There's all kinds of food. When I would open up the refrigerator, literally there was nothing to eat. We had some, um, not Thousand Island dressing, but the uh, uh, like Italian dressing. That was it. Somebody had given us a big, like I think church had a potluck or something. There was a big thing of Italian dressing in there. Nothing else. Open the freezer, nothing. Seven kids and my two parents, nothing. You open up the cabinets, nothing. We had some popcorn. Many a meal was popcorn. And I remember one Christmas, somebody heard about our family and knew that we were just struggling a little bit, right? And so um, they came and man, they brought all these presents before Christmas. I saw bikes in there. I saw toys. There was dolls for my sister. There was all kinds of stuff just there. And then I remember Christmas morning getting all excited that I'm going to get a new Huffy bike. And man, we're just going to be a great Christmas. And then I remember that morning getting up and going to, to, to unwrap the presents. And I saw my parents taking the toys and putting them in the back of the van. I was saying, what are you guys doing? You know, I mean, this is terrible. And they said, no, we found out a family in the church. They, they're going through things worse than us. So we're going we're gonna to go give them Christmas. At first I was bummed. Of course, you're a little kid. At first you're bummed. But then when I got there, and then when you start passing out a bike that was going to be your bike to the kid that's now going to get a bike, that feeling's worth a million bucks. That's fulfillment. The bike would have been fun, but fulfillment lasts longer. And it's always stayed with me. 
My wife and I, we love to be generous, but it's something we learned early on as children. What are your children learning? Are they learning generosity? Or are they learning, hey, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can? What are they, what are they learning from you? Are they learning a hoarding mentality? You see, today we live in an open source day and age where things are open source, where it's free to work on. It's free to have. You can work, it's open source, but in the church, it's so amazing how we can be so closed off to being generous. Instead of giving to help a need, we can be very conceited and hoarding the money that God's given us. As a church, we want to help you. We want to encourage you because I get it. I get it. Some people you say, well, I'm just in a tough bite. I get it. I'm, I'm not here to twist your arm to give. God's going to take care of our church. It's not about money. It's not. It's about our heart because I know one thing about you and you know it about me. It's that our heart follows our money. Man, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. You say, how do you know that? Take the most valuable things in your house and give it to my two-year-old and just see how you react to it. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> your heart follows money just like mine does. All of a sudden, you're like, my iPhone, your kid is... Hand your, hand your car keys to my little kid. You're like, no, 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 no. I, I, like my, I like my car too much. Why? Because our hearts follow money. So what our church wants to do, we want to help you. There's a great little book. We're going to give it to every family. We want you to get it. It's a short little book. Some of you say, I hate to read. It has pictures. <laughs> no, it really does. It really does. It has, it has pictures. We put pictures. They're not color, but that's okay. We got pictures. It's all right. I need it. I told the author, I need pictures, man. I like those books that are like four or five pages, but a bunch of pictures. So when it comes to giving, we want to help you. You say, man, I'm not tithing, pastor. I should be tithing, but I, I'm not there. So where are you going to start? Like, that's it. This is all about your growth. This isn't about what we get. This is about your growth. We care about your spiritual growth. I learned to give as a young kid. I would get birthday money. My parents said, okay, how much are you going to set aside for God? None. No, you're going to set some aside for God. So what do you, how much are you do? So we want to help and resource you. We want you to know you have the tools. And if you're saying, I'm struggling financially, then let us know we could pray for you. And then are you being faithful to what God has called you to do? Are you doing all that God wants you to do? Because God wants to pour out a blessing. Because it's great when we're in partnership with God. Great things can happen. And so this morning, we're, we're stepping back. We're saying, all right, God, I want, to do, I, want, I want you to work. I want to see God do something great. I don't know about you, but... You don't plan a nice dinner and invite your, you know, some, some great friends over. And then you open up the refrigerator and pull out the leftovers and start setting it on the table. Get whatever you want. Make sure there's nothing growing on it. There you go. I'm afraid sometimes we do that to God. Oh, man, how much do I got left? Uh, it's the end of the month. Let's see, God, you get a... Nope, none for you this month. <laughs> Sorry, God. We count up all our wealth, one for me, one for the mortgage, one for the school, a couple for the car. No more for God, sorry. Come back next month. No, God doesn't want you to live that way. Change this. Try it. Here's what we want to do as a church. It's a trust test, right? It's a trust test. For the next 90 days, here's a 90-day test. For the next 90 days, would you test God? The Bible says in Malachi 3, Prove me now. Test me in this. And see if I won't pour open the windows of heaven. Bless you. Just test. It's the only way in scripture God says test him. Isn't that interesting? God says test me in this. For the next 90 days, what if you started tithing? The next 90 days. You say, what? Do you know how much I make? 90 days. And at the end of 90 days, if you are at a point where you're like, I, I'm so broke. I, I'm selling, you know, I'm a salesman, but the only thing I'm selling is my car, my house, my furniture. I mean, if that's where you're at... It, We'll give you every dime back. You talk to the finance department, we'll give you every dollar back. 
Because here's what I want. I want you to have a financial breakthrough. We don't want to be like my kids at the movie theater. My popcorn. My Skittles. Boy, you know, we don't want want that. We don't. Some of you are going to call child protective services on me one day. Man, I better make sure my kids never get bruises. I I just, you know, man, it's going to go bad for me. But here's what we know. We know we want to be generous. That's one thing we love to be generous. If you get time, go on YouTube and watch the videos of the people that they find a waiter that's really going through a hard time. And man, they just, $800 tip. That's where we want to be, isn't it? It's a great feeling. So let's all stand as we wrap things up.